before we get started, a quick shout out to two of our project partners, Ram Windows and Mila Appliances, both of whom we are using in our marquee project 3705 Kennelwood, which is our biggest, baddest boy that we have built to date. And I have been nothing but impressed with both of those companies quality windows that ram is building and producing that we have now have installed on site is just uh spectacular beyond my expectations and same thing with mila i have been so thrilled to really start using them and incorporating them into our builds everybody i talked to about their appliances absolutely loves them our potential buyers we're talking to are all excited to know that those are the appliances we're putting in so again Ram Windows and Mila Appliances. Thank you both for your support and partnership. Our two guests today, Paul Sandeman and Ed Earl, are both prior guests on the show. Paul came on a while back to talk about the value of architect referrals in your business. Very good episode if you haven't heard it. And Ed was on talking about some secrets to happy clients. Another really good episode. So I'm excited to have both of them on today. The reason why both are on is because they have teamed up recently, along with actually a third guest of ours, David Luberger. Uh, we seem to be getting around the industry, which I guess is a good thing. Um, the three of them have formed Residential Contractor Services Group, rcsg.org is their website. Anyway, today we're going to be talking to Paul and Ed about the benefits of cost plus contracts. I am admittedly a fixed price builder. I see a lot of value in that practice, but I also see the shortcomings. And on the flip side, I see the value and shortcomings of cost plus. So I wanted to get the other side of the argument. And that's what you've got today. Enjoy. All right. So we're here with Ed Earl and Paul Sandeman, both of whom have been previous guests on the show before. So gentlemen, welcome. Appreciate you guys coming on to talk about a little cost plus here. Thanks, Jared. So first of all, you know, Ed, this is directed towards you. You're a proponent of collaborative construction. We have talked a little bit about that on, I believe, episode six. I will have to go back and verify that. But one of our early episodes, you came on, talked about the benefits of collaborative construction, which is a really compelling argument. And part of your philosophy around this is that uh, it feeds really nicely into cost plus contracts. And I want to visit with you guys on that because, you know, I have been a proponent of fixed price for a while and I've had good success with it, but that's not to say it's only the best way of doing things or the only way of doing things. And that's why I want to color this conversation with what I think is a compelling argument from you guys. So can you, let's just start this off, Ed, with kind of your explanation of um, how you approach these contracts and why you propose cost plus. Sure, Jared. So it's really, it goes to the basic fundamental concept that a construction, a residential construction project 
should really be treated as a partnership between the builder and their client. And the, you want to do everything you can to keep your interests aligned and to be completely transparent as to what's going on in the process. And I think that cost plus allows that to happen more, much more so than fixed price. With a fixed price bid, there's now some conflict there because oh, the builder has said he'll do it for this. Uh, if the price goes up, the builder ends up eating the price, or maybe he, he tries to put a little extra margin in there. If he ends up doing better than that, that money goes back to him. So there's not a real open uh, relationship there and a clear partnership. And I think particularly with what's gone on here in 2020 with the pandemic, um, I think that's even a more compelling reason for cost plus. And um, our, many of our business coaching clients, so just to give a little background, so Paul and I are partners in a company called Residential Contractor Services Group, and we consult with uh, residential contractors nationwide. We've got about 35 or so that we, we work with. And I can tell you that every one of them is having major issues with uh, supply uh, chain issues with with COVID and uh, and price increases and project delays. And all of that is so much easier to handle if you can be fully transparent as you can with a cost plus job. And Ed, I like that usually the argument against cost plus is, well, I'm accountable for every detail. You know, you, what did you spend on nails and what did you spend on siding? And so a lot of contractors don't to be held, like to be held accountable to that. But when costs are going up, I think it's a good thing. And I, I agree with you. The problem is when, when you have a fixed price, you start out an adversary relationship. I mean, the contractor is trying to build, spend as little money as possible, and the client's trying to get to spend as much, as much money as possible. So by the very nature of the contract, they're in an adversary relationship. And with full transparency, although it's, it's difficult with, with things like, you know, Builder Trend and Procore and Co-Construct, it makes it a lot easier because you can see everything. And I believe that, I mean, I have a lot of contractors are doing houses between say two and 5 million, maybe eight, 10 million. They won't do anything but cost plus because people change their mind, things change and everyone knows what's going on. And the alternative to cost plus is fixed price with a whole bunch of change orders. And those change orders are never fun, especially when you know, lumber prices go up significantly or whatever. So it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it, I guess I'd ask Chris for you, Jared, when you do a fixed price job, how many change orders do you have to put in? It depends. So our particular process is we take a decent amount more time on the front end in pre-construction to get all of the specifications and selections possible. I'll say reasonable, um, identified. And so by the time that w we start, you know, if, if there are 10,000 question marks going into a, a project, we try to have 95% answered, documented, papered up when we start. So the amount of change orders or remaining selections that we have are limited. We, and I'll break those into two separate buckets. So we've got, we've got allowances. So it's not entirely fixed price because uh, an allowance is obviously is, is, essentially a, a cost plus budget item, in my opinion. Right. Um, 
so we've got a few allowances, like probably 50 to 75%, depending on the project that are, that are actually selected and chosen at the time of contract signing. Uh, and then the remaining, um, we select after the project and then a true change order for defining change order as, as, um, a, a specification that was in the contract at signing that we are actively changing afterwards, depending on the project. Yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe five to six. Now what sometimes we'll have uh, a higher needs client that might be pushing 10, but typically around five to six. And it's probably because we just spend a little bit more time up front. So I don't, I don't think we're necessarily a, a good, um, sample to compare ourselves against well, a lot of people don't take the time you do on the front end to make sure what everything's going to cost but what do you do these days jared when you have let's just take lumber prices which are totally unstable how do you account for that yeah so the way we do it up front is we've got good relationships with our vendors and we'll get we'll get fixed prices fixed bids from everybody up front um and and our projects because you know we get uh, we're, we usually have our projects built inside of 10 months from the time we get all of our bids. Most everybody's willing to, to honor their prices. So we don't have too much concern about material ex escalation. Our contracts do say, so the way that Texas has fixed price contracts structured is that there is a material escalation clause. I believe if they go up beyond 25%, uh, we have the right to change order clients for that. You know, luckily we've never had to do that because I think that would be a big point of conflict. Um, but we have that right in in the contract. Now, here, here's the thing. So, Paul and Ed, you know, if we I, this is, this kind of leads into another question we can discuss. But is there kind of a a, a contract price or a or a build scope in at which point maybe? in your opinion, fixed price is a little bit more achievable. And then, and then it's, you know, there's a, obviously a point at which probably you could never do fixed price. And I, I fully agree with that. I mean, if you're doing a 10 men, $10 million home, that's going to take three years to build, how could you possibly fix those prices? Um, well, so I, I get say, that. Jared, Jared, if, if you're comfortable in showing your, your markup and profit, then fixed price is fine. I mean, excuse me, excuse me uh, the other side. Yeah, yeah. Cost plus is fine. If you're not comfortable in showing that, like say you've got a remodel and you've got a 40% margin and it's, you know, a $100,000 job, the client isn't going to be happy looking at that. So I think, you know, for sure in smaller jobs when you have larger margins. Yeah. And I would say also in, in cost plus, it's important that in division one, you get supervision and a bunch of, you throw everything you can in division one. That way you're covered. But having done this for, you know, I guess 35 years now, I've never seen anybody lose money on a cost plus job ever. Yeah. Whereas in fixed price, I can, I've seen a lot of big problems because people don't plan well, things change. The worst is fixed price self-performed because then you're taking on the liability of the framing or whatever you're doing and sometimes work expands to fill the time allotted, right? So the biggest problem I've seen in construction, people losing money is when they do fixed price self-performance and that's an open-ended checkbook. Whereas yeah. fixed price and you've got everything but subcontractors, you can't get you know hurt too bad. Yeah. And I yeah. think too, Jared, you know, to answer your question, I think it's more um, 
a question of the time that it takes to complete the project rather than the price of the project. Uh, you know, I think remodels for sure, if any of your listeners are, are remodelers, I would say that the, the, the fixed price is, is probably the way to go on most all remodel jobs. Um, but again, uh, on a custom home, uh, like what I deal with on my end as an owner's rep, pretty much all of them are cost plus jobs, but that's because they all take more than a year to build. Yeah. I, I would say any project that's going to take a year or more to build uh, really should be a cost plus project. And I think that's maybe a better way to look at it rather than saying, you know, anything over a million dollars, say. I mean, if you can build that million dollar house in, in nine months, 10 months, kind of sounds like what you're, what you're doing there in Texas, Jared, then I think it, you, can, uh, you can probably get by with a fixed price. But I would ask too, Jared, I mean, you probably have jobs right now that you thought you could do in nine or 10 months that I'm guessing are taking, you know, a couple of months longer because of all the, all the delays from COVID. Yeah, that's true. And we're still, we haven't had any, um, any of our fixed bids come back and, and, uh, and move on us, I suppose. I mean, it's reasonable to assume that any subcontractor that gives you a bid after a certain amount of time will, you know, we've got, we've got our bids locked in for a while. And most people, even if we extend beyond that, will honor it just probably because of the relationship. But um, I do acknowledge the, the additional risk that uh, is, in, is incumbent upon you if you happen to if you happen to move outside of those you know um, periods where they're going to honor their price. Yeah, I, I would say you yeah. had a good rule of thumb is if all your costs are fixed, in other words, you know everything's subcontracted out, all your materials are pre-purchased, you've got a total lock on all your costs, then fixed price is fine. But if you can't get a lock on your cost and you don't, you're self-performing or don't know what things are, or you haven't designed it well enough, you aren't finished. And so if there's any variables that you don't know, I would say then cost plus is what you need to do. Let me ask you all this. So a while back, we had one of the top home building attorneys in Texas on the podcast. And he said that the vast majority of lawsuits around home building does involve cost plus contracts. Why do you all think that is? What, when people do cost plus contracts that end in litigation, what, what has gone wrong? Well, I, I know if you're familiar with this, Jared, but the more storks that are in a territory, the more babies are born, right? So one uh -huh. can say, oh, storks bring babies. But I believe it's the kind of contractor that does cost plus and they're loose, the way they run the organization and their lack of structure is why you get the lawsuits. It's not because it's cost plus. It's the kind of person that does cost plus. Yeah. So you're saying, right. you're saying the contractors that really run their business well and, and operate on cost plus are not reflective of, of no. those mishaps. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think cost plus, cost plus really, really necessitates a higher level of detail you really have to be on top of your paperwork. Uh, Paul mentioned the cloud-based construction management systems earlier. I'm a huge, as you know, Jared, a huge proponent of those. I think for cost plus jobs, you have to pretty much be on a cloud-based system and utilizing it fully. And yeah. I think if you are and you're on top of your paperwork, then there's no reason why uh, a cost plus job is going to be any more of a, of a, a legal liability than a, than a fixed price one. 
I would say that the contractors that get sued are the ones that are on cost plus and not on their paperwork because it's easier to sue somebody if you're in cost plus because you can say, well, you know, where's your, you know, where's all your justification? I want to know, you know, exactly where you spent, why you spent it, when you spent it. And a lot of contractors are not great on their paperwork and their follow through. So those are the ones that get sued because now if you're, if you're just fixed price, there's less to sue over because you've agreed on the price, right? But then if you've got everything is variable and you sort of got, let's put this way. If you have a fixed price, we're going to argue about whether it was a million or not. We just have one argument, right? If we're cost plus, we have a thousand arguments because if you haven't justified every cost, including, you know, what the frame, what framing cost, appliances cost, you know, division one, two, three, four, whatever it is, you've got many, many places that you can get sued. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. That does. What about loans? So whenever a client has a, a bank, cash is, is easy. We'll leave that to the side. But if they're financing their project with a loan, in a sense, on one side of their, their project, they have you know, a fixed price. The bank is only going to give them so much money. And then they, they are exposed to an overage above that. Is there any, any trick to helping clients manage that risk? Or is it just that they need to be aware that they may have to come out of pocket above the loan amount? Well, the worst of both worlds is a cost plus not to exceed. I don't recommend those, right? Because yeah. that's sort of the worst of both worlds. But if you have a cost plus, some, some banks will and some banks won't. I mean, I have a lot of contractors that get loans through banks and their bank's fine with cost plus. And I have other contractors where they don't even know a bank that'll do cost plus. So it depends on your banking relationships, I would say. That yeah. brings us a separate subject up. We interviewed a guy who was a very, very successful contractor. And we said, what is the most important relationship you have as a contractor? And he said, my bank, which I thought was great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Paul, you, uh, you really swayed my perception on, on our interview a while back. This is probably two years ago and talking about probably the most valuable assets of, of a builder are those architect relationships, which I know we're getting off topic here, but I gotta, I gotta throw that plug for our previous episode because I thought that was a fantastic, uh, fantastic advice that you offered. And I think too, on the, on the, on the financing side of things, Jared, uh, allowances. I think two two key points uh, if you're going to try to get uh, financing with a cost plus job is you have to have good detailed allowances and also uh, contingency. And um, I find that with those cu- couple of components in there, um, you can usually get a lender to feel comfortable uh, doing a construction financing on a cost plus job. And yeah. Jared, one quick comment here is I wouldn't do a cost plus job unless you were doing it by CSI codes. You had a really good structure for billing and you threw everything but the kitchen sink in division one, like supervision, assistant supervision, the copy machine, the pictures, whatever. Because then cost plus makes a lot of sense because you can put all that stuff above the line, right? In division one. If you're one of these cost plus builders that decides to eat all those costs, as far as supervision, whatever, and puts it in their 10 or 15%, that's a bad idea. One thing you just mentioned, so um, talking about having really good books and, and records, how does, um, how often, 
do you guys see that your clients, your builder clients have their clients come back to them requesting to inspect books and records? Is that a common occurrence? I would say it's rare. I mean, it's it, it unless by the time by the time you get there, you're in trouble. In most cases, if you're using a web-based system or the equivalent, and you've outlined every cost, and when you build a client, he clearly can see where the money went. You don't have any problems. But if you send a bill and put, you know, uh, rough framing, plumbing, and electrical. $800,000. That doesn't work. The other thing in cost plus is you've got to do it. I suggest every two weeks, a month is almost too long. So frequent billing is important in cost plus because you don't want things to get out of hand. Do you recommend on cost plus billing just on a set cycle each month, like, you know, the X day of each month, or do you recommend billing off of milestones based on when things are completed? I suggest that you do it a fixed. My favorite is you meet every week and you, you know, do job blogs every day and you bill every other week. If you do those right. three things, you will not get in trouble. Exactly. And that's the other thing I was going to add is it's not also just about the regular billings, but it's also about regular meetings. And that's, that's exactly what I recommend to my owner's rep clients as well is we set a weekly time to meet and then the bills occur on the 15th and the end of the month. And that way there's no surprises. You know, when they receive that bill, they're seeing issues that we've already talked about in two or three of the previous weekly uh, site meetings. And uh, again, it's really important to have full transparency there and be communicating with the client. So there's, there's no surprises when the billings come, when, when, when they receive their bills, any changes from the original cost estimates have already been discussed at length and they already know that that's coming. So there's, yeah. there's no surprises. They're not blindsided when they, when they get their, their cost plus bill. Jared, I have a question for you. What happens if you're, let's say doing a fixed price job at a million dollars and the client comes back to you and says, you know, I think this is too expensive. Now that I see what you're doing and what you're charging supervision, I mean, your guy's only there once a week. I don't mind paying for supervision. My guess is too much. I'd really like to see how you came up with a million dollars. Can you show me your entire estimate and go over it? I've actually never had that happen before, but that may be because we, so we still provide transparency on the front end. Now I've had a lot of people um, who favor fixed price say, why, why do you do that? And actually, this might be one of one of the arguments in my favor. But we so what we do is we produce a transparent budget that actually gets attached to the uh, the contract when we sign it. So just as if we would have a cost plus contract when we go to sign, they see all 80 whatever some odd budget line items plus our plus our budgeted fee. Our, plus our budgeted overhead and, and budgeted um, profit. We show them everything so, so that they can see up front um, where everything's getting allocated in that total price that we're charging. Now, here's the thing. When we fix that, and you all know that with fixed price, they've got no right to inspect books. So I suppose there could always be some sort of mistrust of, well, are those numbers really true, really accurate? But I think that that mistrust probably 
gets it, it has to by by the nature of them signing get uh, get addressed if there is any probably up front right. before they well, ever sign. Jared, I would argue that a total transparent upfront fixed price is pretty much the same as cost plus. But if we do, if we're going over, if we're going over or we're going under, we take we take that that risk or that or that benefit right. per our per our contract. Right. But it's still you're still pointing out every detail before you get started. That's that's true. Yes, we are. And there isn't much different. I mean, let's say you went to cost plus. You just, you know, you said, okay, tomorrow my next contract, I'm the exact same thing and I'm doing cost plus. What would difference would it make to you? Here's my reason why I don't like doing it. Mainly because I don't I don't want the extra overhead of having to having to produce detailed records records and receipts during the project. Well, don't you keep don't you keep them anyway? We keep them anyway, but I just hate to have to open our books to people. I don't want people feeling like they can do as I've heard some of the arguments against Cost Plus before, looking and inspecting, saying, "Well, why was you know why was this why was this that why why do you not have this included in this bill, okay. etc." I would argue that the most important thing, whether it's cost plus or fixed fee, way more important than what, what kind you're using is your record keeping. Because if you give really accurate estimate, estimates and keep really accurate records, they're pretty much about the same. It's the people that don't keep accurate records and do cost plus are more vulnerable than don't people that don't keep accurate records and do fixed price. I now, that's true. Now, what happens with with the fee? Do you guys recommend a cost plus uh, percentage fee? Because I, I've heard, you know, one of the concerns people have and, and some of the conflict that arises is when you do go over budget and the builder is still getting a fee on top of that going over budget, people say, well, that's a conflict of interest. Or, or do you set a fixed fee yeah. that... I would say it's important that you don't, that usually the best cost plus price, I mean, contract has a, let's say a weekly management fee of 800 bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever it is, you know, for supervision. And it's in, it's above the line. It's not in overhead and profit. Okay. That if the job takes longer, the client still gets paid. I've seen some of the biggest problems when people losing money in construction is it takes way longer than they thought they didn't build in the supervision and they just yeah. eat it on the supervision, which can just kill all their profit. Yeah, I, that, that's got to be above the line, I would think. So if you do that, then doesn't the client come back and say, well, you know, what incentive do you guys have to finish in a timely manner? Because you're getting your your weekly draw or your weekly fee. It, I, it all depends. On, this is probably more important than either fixed price, cost plus, or keeping records is your relationship with the client. If you have a great relationship with your client and your architect, you generally don't have any problems. If you have a bad relationship, you have problems no matter what method you use. And I think the argument there when the client says, you know, what incentive do you have? You're not making money on the supervision. That's just covering your overhead. So you, where you make the money is on your, your, your overhead and profit. And that is your incentive to finish the project as quickly as possible because that amount doesn't change the longer it takes. So yeah. that's the way that I always explain it to my homeowners is to say, look, I, you know, if I have to charge you for an extra week or two of supervision, that, that I don't make any more money by doing that. So I have as much incentive to finish this thing as quickly as possible because 
I'm basically getting paid the same amount, regardless of how long it takes. In your cost plus contracts, do you have a, a set percentage that the builder would make of new profit on any sort of change orders that are initiated? Yes, typically, yes, there is a there's a percentage that they okay. would, would 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 make for any additional items. Now, again, that's, you know, somewhat negotiated as well. Uh -huh. Right. Because if they change the, the type of windows that they have and they're not really changing the, the number or difficulty of that project, they're just going to a higher grade window, then you could make the argument, OK, look, you shouldn't have to be able to charge for those additional costs. But if there are changes that are made uh, later on that add on to it and it changes the scope of work, then then I think it's justified. And it really, it does go back to what Paul said. It's all about the relationship. It's all yeah. about that level of trust. And it goes to what we talked about on the earlier episode with collaborative construction, right? You, you, the very most important thing that you build with your clients, the very first and most important thing you build is trust. And yeah. from the very first time you meet them until the end, you have to do everything you can to continue to build that, that trusting relationship between you and your client. And if you have a poor relationship, I would say fixed price is better because it's easier to defend. If you have a poor, if you have a, you know, a good relationship, then cost plus is just fine because there's no defending involved. You're both on the same side of the table. They just want to know what's going on. Well, th this is a good segue into, in my opinion, maybe the most important discussion of all beyond what kind of contract you use, which I do think is important. That's why I wanted us to talk about it. But above everything, the, in my opinion, the trump card is the decisions you make about what kind of clients you're going you're gonna to work with. Because I, I have, luckily in the hundreds, not hundreds, I've probably about 130 homes that I've built over the last 10 years, um, we've only had just a handful, maybe two or three, what I consider really negative experiences with, with people that, uh, I would probably classify as, as really, you know, irrational or some, some real structural issue that we had with them. And, uh, even though we had really strong, very strong contracts using the Texas association of builder contracts, really well papered up, it was not enough to overcome the difficulties of working with bad clients. So my personal opinion is even the best contract in the world really can't, no. can't entirely defend you against the decision no. of, of working with a, a bad client. And usually the clients have way more money and resources than the contractor in general. Well, that's Therefore, true. They're going to lose yeah. every time. I just had a guy who won a $30,000 argument over something in remodeling and it cost him 70,000 in attorney's fees, <laughs> which is craziness, right? And he said, what I learned from the experience is this system doesn't work. And I went, absolutely, the system does not work. So it, the, the only way to protect yourself against the system, whether you're cost plus or fixed price, is always stay ahead in the billing. So if the relationship tanks, you don't lose any money. Because I guarantee when the relationships tanks, whether you're cost plus or fixed price, you're not going to collect the money and it's not worth going after. We've got a very strict ethos we follow these days about what kind of clients we'll take on. And in the last three months, just in the last quarter, I turned down probably $400,000 of potential fee revenue off of two different clients that I was not comfortable working. Great projects. I just didn't 
it was my gut feeling. I didn't feel right with those clients and, uh, the old me six years ago, seven years ago would have, would have jumped at it. And so hard lessons learned, you know, from yeah. bad well, experience. I, I guarantee you, Jared, you're going to make way more money from the client you didn't take than the client you did. Right. <laughs> when yeah. I was, when I was in investment banking, uh, about 15 years ago, Paul, one of the, one of my favorite managing directors or like a legend in, in the business told me something almost identical to what you just said. It's, it's almost more important. The things that you, the bad things you don't get into versus the, the, the good things you do. Right. Because when I yeah. look at contractors that have failed or had big problems, it's all due to, you only have one problem. You have a bad client or bad employee. That's pretty yeah. much it. You're a bad subcontractor. That's yeah. the only problems you can have or, you know, a difficult architect. But if you can stay away from those, it's a great business. And yeah. as you all know, 20% of your people are going to cause 80% of your problems. Mm -hmm. You got to stay from that, away from that 20% if you can. Amen. Well, and you always see, you always see red flags, you know, uh, our other partner in, in our, our company, Residential Contractor Services Group, who's also been on your show, David Luperger, you yeah. know, he talked about that as well. You know, every time that there's a problem client there, there are red flags and the contractor just chose not to, not to, not to, to pay attention to them. And yeah. um, that happens, happens all the time. And, and I think as we get into the business more and, learn our lessons along the way, we start to pay more attention to those red flags and to, to know when to say no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, this was a great conversation. I appreciate your time before we go. Can y'all let us know where we can find you online? Sure. Yeah. So we, um, as I said, Paul and, and myself and David Luberger earlier this year, We've all been business coaches, and uh, David previously had a remodeling business, and I have an owner's rep business. Paul's been doing this longer than any of us for 35-plus years. And so earlier this year, we, we decided to join forces, and we formed a company called Residential Contractor Services Group. And we provide uh, services exclusively to residential contractors, including business coaching services, recruiting services, business continuation services, uh, digital marketing and website designs. And so uh, you can find us on our website, which is rcsg.org. And uh, that is the best way to, to reach out to us. And yes, if any of your listeners have any questions or want to talk about any issues related to residential con construction, Paul and David and I are happy to talk to them. Great. All right. Well, gentlemen, always great to visit with you. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jared.